are you guys doing? Welcome over here to the channel. This episode is sponsored by Brick House Nutrition. Hey, it seems that everybody right now inside the world is talking about the fact the United States still has not transferred any tanks to Ukraine. That's pretty much the main talking point as of late. They have decided to include in this new aid package that is going to be sending over to Ukraine, they're going to have 59 more Bradleys. It's going to have, uh, what is it, 90 Strikers, 53 MRAPs, 8 Avenger Air Defense Systems, and 350 Humvees. Now, all of these, uh, well, I guess all these these Bradleys is is, is biggest winner, okay? I think it's like 90 Strikers will be a, a big bump for at least a few battalions worth of men. Now, oddly enough, the Netherlands has came out and has stated that they're going to be considering providing Ukraine with F-16s if, if Kiev actually requested them. I don't know. They said that they're apparently open-minded and, and there's no taboos. Now, if you guys are wondering where Willie was, he's, he's not here. He's, he's actually back inside of Australia right now. He's getting some stuff scored away. We're going to be trying to get him back on here as the co-host, like for good. It'd be really good to do that. Um, it would will. It's going to be a little bit, I don't know, somewhat difficult or tricky since he is an American, and and he's going to be working in America doing some random stuff for me. Or I, I that would be the, that would be the goal at least. Like go out and like I want to go. Over to Ukraine myself, and I'd like to go over there, and he's been over there. We go over there together and do some stuff. But I, I don't know. It's it's kind of a it's kind of a pain if you're if you're a foreign citizen trying to work inside of America. I told him the best way to do it, by the way, is just to go down, fly into Mexico, and cross over the border there. Because you're gonna it's you'll get citizen like citizenship very quick doing that. Uh, he didn't really like that idea for some reason. I don't know why. I thought I'd just go ahead and do it. Um, but there there was like a visa we we're gonna possibly apply for, but oddly enough, you have to have like a four year degree type job, which I don't really know what that entails because does this job entail getting a 40 degree like journalism? I don't, I don't know. I don't know how the government actually sees that. It's, it's so weird. What's even more strange uh, than him not wanting to cross the river down there in South Texas, excuse me, South Texas is the fact that Russians have now stuck Panzer missile defense systems on top of the high rise buildings that are centrally located inside of Moscow. And they suck another one on the uh, the country's Ministry of Defense buildings. Very strange, very weird way to do it, and, and I didn't believe it unless I saw these videos. The ones that you guys saw just a second ago in those images, I was like, there's no way. They're actually taking cranes and putting them on top of the buildings. Um, you know, I just want to backtrack just a tad bit here, okay? And talk about some of the stuff that was that was being offered to the Ukrainians because uh, Germany seems to not want to be thrown under the bus anymore by any countries. Uh, not only does it seem like the Ukraine is getting like this, this tremendous amount of support and uh, for, from from everybody that is okay, which is a good thing. Everybody's come out of the woodworks and they're like, oh, we're going to give some stuff. We're going to start like once again. We're seeing all this 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 movement again happening before I guess this the spring offensive. Latvia is reporting they're going to be giving. Two, yes, two MI-17 helicopters, which is not much. Okay, I get it. They're going to be sending over like a dozen Stingers, a dozen machine guns, and they're going to be training a few thousand Ukrainian servicemen. I know, doesn't seem like it's going to move the needle. It's not really going to, but they're hopping on the bandwagon, and it doesn't really hurt to get extra stuff. Now, Sweden is going to be transferring 50 armored vehicles. And additional, they're going to be giving some more like artillery systems to Ukraine. Okay, so they're giving some armored vehicles, which is great because it'll help them transfer men in and out of the front lines. Great. Okay, now Germany is starting to state that they're and there was never a moment when Leopard tanks were actually attached to the delivery of Abrams to the Ukrainian military, which is a massive shift altogether from what they've been saying, well, for a while now. Uh, but, you know, I want to get back to the reasoning behind the United States wanting to send strikers into Ukraine. Like, this new package is worth another $2.5 billion. 
2.5 billion dollars and 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 you know what i think that puts our running total like 25 billion or so worth of equipment being sent over there now this aid package has like the normal stuff in it like high mars ammunitions and munitions for aerial defenses but this will actually put the ukrainians now over 100 bradley fighting vehicles which is like a battalion sized element worth of worth of vehicles okay that's a, that's a good chunk it's not enough to take a like the entire country or make like a real impact overall. But if used correctly in like in certain elements, they'll be, able to, they'll be able to do some damage in certain pockets. Like no doubt. I've seen so many people go on and on and on about the fact that they, that we need to send Abrams over. Okay. Which I do agree with. Yes. 100% wholeheartedly. They need to. Well, we have like a thousand of them or so sitting inside of storage. Okay. Just chilling, hanging out. But the problem is, and we've touched on this before, how are the Ukrainians going to utilize them if they're not trained on these systems? And furthermore, who is going to conduct the needed maintenance? The Bradleys, okay, lighter, easier to maneuver, they do a lot of stuff. It's going to be possible for them to do some sort of offensive operations, but the strikers, I think, are going to be utilized pretty much for like the upcoming spring offensive. We're going to do this with quotations in the northern region of the country by the Russians. I feel like this war is at like this point. You'd see in like a, a Viking show or like a movie where everybody's like like prepping at a camp, sharpening their swords, like prepping for battle. You know what I mean? Like the village they're going to attack is on the opposite side of the hill. So they're in the valleys, like sharpening their swords and like doing like weird maneuvers and fighting. You know what I mean? Like you guys have all seen those. Now we have the Russians like in the north playing like war games with each other currently in the woods and the Ukrainians are fortifying their bases like preparing for this incoming assault at some point. Uh, I would like for you guys to take a walk down this path as well with me. Just, just for a second, okay? While we try to understand where this guy is trying to go with his logic when trying to explain the issues with the Bradley fighting vehicles. Я лично знаком с Брэдли. Я был замкомандиром роты в Боснии, механо-стрелковой роты американской армии. У нас были Брэдли. Брэдли, конечно, как машина, у нее очень большие проблемы. Она очень высокая. Она выше, чем Абрамс танк, который сам высокий. So this guy apparently is a like guru of all things Bradleys because he was inside the American Army. I really have no clue if that is true uh, when he what he is claiming. Uh, but saying that there's too much room inside of a Bradley for troops, so they just bounce around at all time. I, I, I'm telling you guys right now, I can assure you, that is that is not the case. Take a squad size element and put them like in full kit. Put them in the back of this thing. They're gonna be squished in there like I I, I don't know. I'd like to say like a tuna can, but that doesn't make any sense. But you know, like squished. They're just you're like you're literally sitting there like this because everybody's kind of like like this wide now because they got stuff all over them and they got machine guns in there and you got everything and you're just stacked and you just sit there. Literally, when that, that ramp closes, it's like, and the last guy is like letting the ramp squeeze him into the thing. I mean, I'm being serious. Like the Bradley itself. Oh, by the way, he was saying like the max speed of this thing was like, I think, what did he say, 25 kilometers or 19 kilometers? It was something weird. I don't remember what it was. But I'm telling you, like, it's three times the speed of what he said. It's 60 kilometers. It's like 35 to 40 miles an hour, okay, which is significantly fast. He's saying this thing only goes like 15, 15 or 10 miles an hour. Okay, that is not even remotely close to being true. Uh, he's saying that they, they avoid from being shot as well. I think every single person that's in a vehicle that's in a war zone is trying to avoid from being shot. But they really do have some good armor on them. Okay, even more so when you put the reactive armor on these sides. I don't know if they're going to have them. They might. They probably will. I mean, you're looking at they have like steel on the side of these things. It's probably like that thick. Okay, uh, it's, it's roughly about that thick. And that's just the outer outer shell and then you have reactive armor that's put on like that thick i mean this thing it's pretty good like if you hit an uh, if you hit a bradley with an rpg 
that, that reactive armor is literally going to take that RPG head and explode it outwards. And it's not even going to touch anything on the inside. Yes, it's going to be like, oh my God, we just got rocked by an RPG, of course. But that's not going to be the thing. Like, I, I think I said this a week ago, but I'm personally glad that the Russians, they get on Russian state TV or just any TV network there, and they push like this false narrative about the American equipment being like, obsolete because truthfully it does nothing more than hurt themselves by thinking it's inferior. Okay. When in fact we all know that's not the case. So I'm sure you guys would like to, to drop those leftover pandemic pounds. Uh, but how sick of you guys are of all the ads for like weight loss pills and like fad diets. You know what? I, I, I personally, I haven't done any pills, but I've done a lot of diets. Okay. I have, I have I've personally done it. They don't work. Okay. You know what works? Eating five healthy servings of fruits and vegetables, a day do that and the weight would probably just literally fall off but what do you have vegetables uh I'm not really a giant fan of myself and b you know what i mean I'm, they take time to prepare these things like every single day so let's talk of what do you got field of greens right here brick house nutrition field of greens okay field of greens is a science back formula of like specific fruits and vegetables you won't find in any other product proper nutrition reboots your your metabolism so you guys burn calories and fat faster and you guys will lose weight a healthier way and field of greens is the only brand backed by a better health promise yes you will look and feel healthier faster but the, the greater proof comes at your next wake up when your doctor says wow you've lost some weight whatever you guys keep doing keep it up okay let's just go ahead and get started right now with 15 percent off your first order all you got to do is visit fieldofgreens.com use promo code rob it'll be linked at the very top of the description that's fieldofgreens.com promo code rob i'm telling you guys my biggest thing with this thing is i don't have to go out there and prep a meal that has tons of fruits and veggies it's a pain in the rear end when i can get them all right here just suck it down. That's all you got to do. They got multiple different flavors. I'm going to tell you guys right now, I like lemon and I like wild berry. This is the one that's sitting here right in front of me. This right here. Give them a shot. All you do is you pour a pour little scoop in there, shake it up, dump it down your throat. That's it. It's that easy. All you got to do is go to fieldofgreens.com and use promo code Robert. Check out to save 15%. Give them a shot. Check them out. Be a healthier you. Now, you guys also know what I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about, and I'm always talking about this thing. We get to hang out together and listen to one of my favorite puppets talk of all times, and this time he's going to make you guys smile. Well, he makes me smile every single time I look at him. Not in like a creepy way, because that was kind of a creepy way to say it, I guess, but we'll, we'll go ahead and roll it. We asked Okay, so we're going to take like a quick, quick pause here. Okay, just quick pause for a moment to gauge the whole situation that is playing out in front of us currently. Okay, we have what looks, okay, what looks to be more like Chechnyan fighters or a Muslim company men who are just getting normal speech, right, prep for battle. Now, to these certain groups, they're always going to be fighting in a holy war. That, that is... That is like uh, the perfect thing for our, our main puppet to come on and try to, to latch on to, to make it known thing that they're, in fact, fighting a holy war inside of Ukraine. So I, I, I'm going to throw it out there. I clearly hit the nail on the head right there. 100%. Now, the real question is how many of the Russians really are going to get behind this one group of men? I personally have had to deal with fighting this type of mindset myself to a certain degree. Um, to a certain degree, okay, I, I a bit more on the, uh, I guess, radical side of things, for sure, than they are. Uh, well, I guess, I guess the ones I was fighting for, they want to kill anybody in the West, which is significantly radical, but I think these guys would probably do the same. They're just not on the same playing field. I don't, you know what I mean? Like, they're not going to, 
I, we're not going to go down that path too far, but this is somewhat like a different degree, okay? But in the sense that they're still fighting a holy war, that's what I'm getting at, okay? Now, is it scary to see this kind of mindset being shown in these situations? I don't know for sure if you you guys aren't used to it, but this this group right here is it, this is what they're fully about, and this is why he decided to go see them and, and show them on this show, like to to make it known that this is whole this is a this is a holy war. This is this is what he's looking for. But my question is, what would happen if you went to just a random Russian unit? It's not going to be like that. And that is why he didn't go there, trying to push a certain type of agenda. But my question still is, how many of the Russian civilian populations, the, the actual Russians that aren't watching this, this, or I guess that are watching this show or just any of those shows, how many of them actually believe in it? Now, I would also like to point out one factor. Okay, just one factor. It looks like everybody inside of this video got their uniforms from the same place that Chick-fil-A buys their cow costumes from. Okay, you know like the guy that's in the corner like swinging the sign and say, hey, come eat here. Come on, everybody get their free. You know what I mean? The background to me, like when you want to be wearing those kind of uniforms is in like a heavily snowed environment. Okay, you know what I mean? Like it's snowy. It's really snowy. Like everything is snowed out. But everything will just look a little bit brown with some white pieces of or I guess white chunks of snow, which is randomly. If you, you've ever run around, anything white just up and... Like, I'm kind of confused. It's really, really uh, odd choice of camouflage for right now when everything was just brown. But more more power to them. Easier to spot on drones, I guess. Now as we rotate over to some mapping, we got a little bit of chunks that are going on. And I'm telling you guys, my, my thought process, what are, we, what are we looking at? We're looking at middle of January right now. So I think... I mean, God, do we really believe... The Russians stated that by February 1st, okay, February 1st, the, the training environment that they're, or the training exercise they're doing on the northern part of the country or the southern portion of Belarus, the northern part of Ukraine, that on that border, okay, that they're doing up there. Do you, does anybody really believe that they're going to push through? I'm asking you guys. You guys tell me, please, because I got to, I got, I, I just feel like that it's, it can't be a feint, right? There's no way that the, the Russians would be staging this much men or playing army up there. Maybe they would be. Would it make any sense? Is it all for show? I am very curious myself, though. I really am. Okay. But in the northern part of the country, uh, it looks like the Russian military has been able to push an element west of Kremlin once again inside the same area they previously held but then lost. Okay. Now, I think this was roughly like three to four weeks ago, the Russians had pushed all the way down this, this road right here and made it to the edges of Torsk or Torske or however you say it, right on the edges of this area. Now, they weren't able to hold it. Within 48 hours, they were then pushed all the way back. They took Dubrova. They held Dubrova for one one or two days, and then they were pushed all the way back in again. Now, it seems that the Ukrainians, I'm not saying it seems, I know this for a fact, they have a very large chunk of men down here inside of this pocket. Okay. Currently, the Russians are on the outer edges of Dubrova. I don't know if they pushed this element all the way through to possibly get the Ukrainians to push around. I have no idea. One of the reasons why I think the Russians are doing this or attempting to do this is to, to allow themselves a little bit more freedom movement on the southern side of Kremlin, right in this pocket right here. I think the Ukrainians are applying so much pressure that they needed to actually force them to shift some of their men and put some, I guess you would say, some needed attention elsewhere, okay? I don't think that the Russians' goal is to hold this. I think it was really just to get some, some pressure off of that southern side of the city because they've been trying to push through the defensive lines and they have been seen inside of the city, like on the outer edge inside of those houses, but they have not been able to actually fully push through and collapse that line. Now, that's pretty much the only big news from this northern area of the country. We're going to shift south out of here. 
And as we shift south, we're looking at Bakhmut, this whole area that we, we know that has been pretty much like the, where the front, or excuse me, not the front, where, where like all the fighting is really taking place for the most part. Now, there is uh, the gentleman who actually owns and runs, I guess you would say, in, in the financier of, of the Wagner Group, is claiming that they've just taken the town just south of Bakhmut, Klishika, right here, this area. He claims that they have taken this area. Okay, well, I've not seen any video proof of that. I have no idea if this is true. I don't think there's really any indication that it is true other than him stating it. What I personally think that is happening is the Russians are attempting to find a different route around the city and have started actually pushing towards Bilora. Okay, so the Russians have been able to take this chunk of ground over the last three days. So they have actually been able to push out of this area. And all they really care about, and we've said this multiple times, is this main route right here. That's all they care about. They don't care how they get there. This city itself, Klishika itself, they honestly probably don't need to push through there. But you also have this big, large chunk of ground right here that is pretty much no man's land. The Russians have attempted to push through there and got pushed out really quick. Okay, I will say this over the last four to five days, the Russians haven't made like massive progress anywhere on the outskirts of the, the city. But I think this is what's happening. There's no man's land, which is right here. We're just going to call this no man's land for the rest of the war. Or for as long as this goes on. But I think the Russians are attempting to push around and not really... I think it's actually fairly smart because they don't really need to take it. What they need is that main route. And any other way they can get to it, that's probably the better way to do it. Because they want to encircle or at least put a halfway circle on Bakhmut as a whole. As we know now, shifting just north of here, inside of the outer edges of Bakhmut, the, the northeastern side of the city seems to be... Somewhat of an issue currently for the Russians. And I would think they would need maybe a bit more reinforcements of like new men to come in after the battles. They've, they've, they've taken place in Solodar and in Bakhmusk and salt mines and in all this area. So they have not been able to, to push really across the main road. They have extended just a little bit on the northern side, but not much. So not them not moving fast inside this area isn't really shocking. Now the inner portion of the city itself Right through here. This is one of those pockets I had spoke about here a few days ago. Now, that pocket right there on the inner portions, that original defensive line of Bakhmut has been busted by the Wagner Group, as we know. They have advanced just a tad bit. Now, when I mean a tad bit, I'm talking just a few houses on the inner edges of that city. Okay, so the Ukrainians have, in fact, 100% not allowed really an inch of ground to be given up. I know that's kind of Crazy to say because they've given up maybe a couple houses, but that is literally it over the last four days. That's very, very impressive and speaks very large volumes of the facts that they've set up some very, very good defensive areas inside of the city. They're inflicting, I'm telling you guys, massive damages to the Russians. Uh, Russians, I think, when it comes to to men, equipment, and just morale. This side of the this side of the, the aisle, they're getting kind of badly beat up. Now, I'm not saying the Ukrainians aren't taking massive casualties because they are. It'd be very naive for me to say that. And I'd be lying to you if that wasn't, if I wasn't saying that. Okay. Now, we're going to be shifting out of here inside of this area. The Russians have attempted a few different pushes with no success all along the, the southern side. Like none. Okay. Uh, they're apparently starting to, I don't know, attempting to kick off like this offensive push towards the city itself of Zaporizhia. Okay, that, I don't know where this is coming from, but I'm not entirely sure how true this is, by the way. I've, I haven't seen a lick of evidence of this being true, but I guess it could be, and the Ukrainians are just stopping like they have in the past. But the Russian sources are claiming they are starting a Zaporizhia push. I don't know if that's like propaganda or not, because I haven't seen anything of it. So I'm going to say it could be happening, and the Ukrainians are just stuffing them. But that's pretty much 
what is going on on the ground inside of Ukraine. It's very cold. A lot of stuff, like you guys already know that whole that whole little spiel. But please check out tomorrow's episode. We're going to be cranking them out for you guys. I do love you. Thank you so much. I am out of here.